0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by usbfootball.com. I'm Real are joined by Shotgun Spratling and Ryan Abraham, those chummy guys over there already. They, you guys have a shtick that you do every time I'm saying this intro. You, like, look at each other, and it's, it's, you got it down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: We have, okay. We
0: have a fun show for you guys today, talking spring football. Football is back. It returns this week. We're definitely excited to cover some football, even though there was a schedule change. We'll update you on that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about, brace yourselves basketball. Ryan has allowed it. We're going to talk about USC basketball. Shakan and I covered the thrilling buzzer beater against UCLA. We'll talk about that, what it means for the future. USC gets a first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament too, so we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about season expectations for USC. Uh, What are we looking at now that USC has a new defensive staff? Uh, What are we holding the Trojans to in 2020? As always, you can call us 512-4-TUNNEL- if you have questions comments concerns you can call us Let's i believe call. there was a call already in before the show started and it got dropped so caller call back we'll talk to you uh you can also tweet at us hashtag tunnel vision i'll put your tweet up on the screen and y'all know the deal wherever you're watching facebook periscope YouTube, uh, put your comments, questions, concerns, and we will answer them. Guys, a uh, fun show today. I know I say that every week, and Chalkin uh, laughs at me, but it's true. It's <laughs> it fun. It will be fun. Anyway, but Ryan, I believe you have some some people you want to give shout-outs to? We got a little
2: to. shout-out stuff. It's great when you go around town and people like see you and talk to you and like, oh, I like the show, like Tunnel Vision or like. Paris, Basically, the...
0: you're flexing that you're a celebrity. No, it was just great. you want to
2: give these guys a shout-out. Okay. So, Brian, okay. I was at uh, Sharky's and Hermosa Beach on Saturday morning. I do a little volleyball coaching. We go into Sharky's to get some breakfast afterwards, maybe a mimosa or two. And once I ordered, I was standing next to him unbeknownst to me. And then once I ordered, he recognized my voice. He's like, hey, Ryan. I was like, uh, hello. And so we just talked for a little while. But he was cool. He like likes all the shows. So shout out to Brian. And I had lunch with Dave and his lovely wife, wife Renee today. He had some old USC newspapers from the 70s. Wow. Uh, I think it was like the Notre Dame... One of the Notre Dame games, and he wanted to give them to me, so we met for lunch today uh, in Redondo. got Got some uh, we got some fish sandwiches, and so got to meet them and talk with them for a little bit. So it's always cool to meet the meet the people and uh, do that. So it, this is a great opportunity because we get to put ourselves out there, and then a lot of the fans, when they see us, they want to talk to us and stuff. So uh, he actually said, I think Dave said he saw you at one of the. I think it was the baseball game, and he's like, you look too busy, so he didn't want to come talk to you. <laughs> you but you could always come talk to us, especially yeah. Keely. Go talk to her all the sure, time.
0: Sure, sure. I'll say hi to y'all that works <laughs> is well, yeah, that always come say hi that's yes far as, yeah. yes of course i do someone saw me at the basketball game and they kind of were like wait keely i wasn't sure because you're at basketball and i was like yes yes it is me i do basketball at times yes uh but as i mentioned uh interesting change to usc spring schedule if you were planning to head out and watch usc's first spring practice on tuesday it has now been moved to wednesday so friendly uh a reminder there or bringing it to your attention if you had planned that. I believe it was because of the rain. It's supposed to rain for like all week long, which yeah. the irony of it's been January and February and rain hasn't really happened and then now spring ball is about to start and, oh, it's raining in Southern California. So uh, any did they say whether they're going to keep the Thursday schedule, so it'd be back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, or...
2: Yeah. They tweeted out like a new schedule. I, we put one in there too. I just made my own, but it's uh yeah. So it still looks like it's going to be, <laughs> you really
0: didn't make your own. I
2: t- completely made it. It looks like a little spray paint. <laughs> yeah, well um, just crossed out the, uh, the 10 <laughs> and put an 11 there. So yeah, it's going to be March 11th now instead, but they, yeah, the, from as of right now, they're going to do Wednesday, Thursday, instead of Tuesday, Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, Saturday, uh, practices and then they take a week off. And then they get back to it same same thing Tuesday Wednesday Thursday
1: yeah so that's the plan as of now let's see what happens with the weather um, and how that affects it because if they tear up the turf or something you know they may you, know, you may see them at Cromwell versus you know being at Howard Jones there might be some other alterations that are made uh, just with the schedule because the thing is they want to get three in by Saturday yeah. it's the acclimation period so it doesn't really matter as much it's more about you know putting in their practice plan yeah and doing things kind of the right way, like establishing how they're going to go about the practice uh for the defensive coaches in particular uh that i think that's the most important thing so uh, that's why you can move that day it doesn't really matter you come back to back it's not like you're going out there and you just had a scrimmage and you know everybody's sore the next day and you try to come on a back to back like that so because it's the acclimation period i think that makes that much much uh much more of a chance that they do that but with the rain you know like I said they're, they're gonna try to be able to find a dry day just so they can you know be hands-on and say okay this is how we're going to go about this this is this drill this is you know whatever they have to do as they're going um, to, to be able to kind of get everything set for when they do get some real practice in The only real
2: issue could be a lot of players can load up on classes like Wednesday and Thursday afternoons because yeah, you don't normally that's have good practice point. then. So we'll see if they, if you know, some of the players might be missing that first day of practice because of class schedule. Yeah, that's good a good
0: point. Um, Ryan, speaking of your celeb status, Brian celeb on YouTube status. said, uh, "Nice to meet you yesterday at Baja." Oh, Carpies. so that,
2: that was Brian? Yeah, I told. There you go. We, we give him a shout out already. So, so hey, thanks, Brian.
0: There you go. There you have it. Uh, we ta- we put in the title or in our little topics, spring camp preview. I feel like we previewed it a lot, guys. But what are you expecting for this first week? I know it's the acclimation period, but Todd Orlando seemed uh, pretty. Disin- disinterested in that acclamation period, he kind of was like shooing it away. It didn't really fully count. Um, and something we haven't actually brought up: Tuesday was the full day of coaches' interviews. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but we haven't had a tunnel vision since uh, that happened. What were your takeaways from that, and and how does that maybe change what you're expecting this spring?
2: Yeah, that was that was kind of a, a mini tunnel vision. We did that. We ran it as yeah. a tunnel vision. You know, promoted as a tunnel vision show, but mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about it. We did mm-hmm. a really long podcast and stuff afterwards. So you can check that out but that to me was one of the coolest things and one of the best things that USC sports information has done uh in years probably like making those guys available 20 so minutes for everybody and uh, I don't think anyone had a bad showing I think if you listen to that as a USC fan you probably were fired up about each and every one of those guys uh even like a new guy like John David Baker it seems like he who he was talking about you know a guy like Dante Williams the way the way he talked about recruiting I mean uh, Todd Orlando and that passion there, Craig Niver and just the energy that he had. There's just so many good stories and having special teams be completely, you know, you just feeling like it's going to have a completely different feel on special teams. I don't think you could have come away from that. Even if you're the diehard, anyone but Helton, it doesn't matter. Like you still have to feel pretty good. Like that's a pretty good staff that they put together. So I, I think it was a great thing that they did. And, you know. You wonder why they haven't done it in the past, but this was a hopefully they'll do more of that going forward because it was I think it was well received by the media and the fans.
1: Yeah, I've already told the sports information department some of the people that work in there that they should do that every every spring or fall. You know, if they need to do it two different days to get offense one day and defense the next day, because you just get get to knock out so many questions, especially for new guys. It's the you know all the new guy questions. You know how did how did the job come about? Yeah. So then when we actually start spring practice, you know we can ask questions about particular players and when they actually start putting the pads on uh, and going and what we are seeing at the practices rather than, you know, spending time on those type of questions as well. Um, so I, I think it just, it, it puts a greater emphasis on the football itself. And I think that's, you know, what USC needs to do. And so you get that stuff out of the way. It's great for the media because, the, you know, you get an opportunity just to hear from, from them. Great for the fans to kind of be able to put the face because yeah. because, you know, unless you're following our sites, you know, it's, you don't necessarily know all these faces, like who is that coach or whatever, if you're coming out to a practice or something. So I think it, I think it was a great idea uh, from USC, and you know it was well well done. They even brought Krispy Kreme donuts, and Ryan abstained, which is I did not a have a donut. Dun, dun, dun. Shocker! Dun, dun. I
2: gave up sweets for that. It's killing me. <laughs> Very tough. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, it, they, it was a great uh, thing. It was kind of like a, um, you, you know, a media day that you would have at a Pac twelve yeah. uh the Pac twelve media day or something like that where you just you cycle through all the coaches and you know if you're a national media member you get all the all the head coaches in a row and some players and stuff. So I, I thought it was a great idea and it went really well. Yeah.
2: Wait. Real quick, Kaylee on Periscope, yes. we got David who wants to know, What's up with the tie? Shotgun? Lose the tie. Is Ryan making him wear a tie? No, I don't make him wear a tie. This is shotgun. This he is does shotgun. This stuff.
0: I was saying this kind of looks like he's just going to rob a bank in like the nineteen twenties. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he's got a Tommy gun. Yeah, like yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's the vibe you're going for. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is that I feel like lately we um, I'm moving on. We we not
1: get the response. Sorry, though. it's
0: the response, shotgun.
1: It's uh, I mean I wear a tie when I cover games, and so I was at the baseball game earlier.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Pretty much, he, yeah. That's I don't make him do that. I was hitting golf balls. I'm dressed for golf, so you yeah. Know, that's just... We've
0: already we've received a question about what you're wearing, so
2: yeah. I was I was hitting some golf balls. This is my the old course. I got to play the old course uh, over the summer, so it's a hat. So yeah, it's cool. Nice. Like Shotgun always has unique hats, so this is kind of a unique <laughs> hat for me.
0: Yeah, well done. Anyway, uh, the criticism we get sometimes from I guess the sunshine pumpers is that we're too critical, and yet coming out of Tuesday's uh, press conference. We kind of the criticism we got was we were too positive. Yes. It's like you can't you can't do anything right in that sense. But I I feel like you can't help but be positive hearing those guys. And until we see things that happen on the practice field, we can't be unnecessarily critical. We have to take them at their word. They sounded like they uh, were sincere in what they were saying, and then we'll wait and see.
2: Exactly, and it, you know, the, you're it's good if you're getting complaints from both sides because you're probably somewhere <laughs> right where you should be. True, true. Here's the thing. Yes, I know the people that. Think Clay Helton's the worst coach in the world that he should have been returned. We get that. We understand that. But if something good happens in the program, we're not going to ignore it because Clay Helton's still the head coach. That's what you want to think. That's fine. But if we get an interview with a assistant coach and like, wow, this guy's great. He seems awesome. We're going to tell you, hey, this guy's great. He seems awesome. And because that's what it seems like. We're not going to say, he seems awesome, but Clay Helton's still the head coach, so it doesn't matter. That's not what we're going to do. So you can do that. That's fine. But we will not be doing that.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think that there were several people that you know were in our Twitter mentions or you know on the the live chats, uh, you know, of the stream and saying, "I'll believe it when I see it." You know, uh, right. you know, uh, too much talk. You know, words don't mean anything. Type things like this is all they can do right now. Was, right. Yeah. That was
0: the point of it.
1: The yeah. talk. That's fine. I mean, that that's if you want to say hey, prove it. That's what we're not saying. They're going to
2: be awesome. We're saying. This is a good step in the direction. It seems like you know yeah. are, It's leaning that way. We don't know. We got to go on the practice field. If they still play two hand touch or something, then yeah, they're gonna be like okay. It didn't matter what they said. Yeah. So we're going to wait and watch and see too. But we're telling you, kind of leading up to it, it seems like there's some positive changes that were happening. Mm-hmm.
0: Someone asked me who I thought was the most impressive on Tuesday, and I couldn't really answer that.
2: That's tough, right? Everyone yeah. had different, like something brought, brought something different to the table. There's a lot of candidates. I think you could say for the mm-hmm. best one, Soto. So. You liked him the most. I'm surprised
0: that yeah. that's your answer. Really. Why? What was so what made him impressive in your mind?
2: Because he could break you in half. Is that
1: oh, why yeah. <laughs> he's physically imposing factor. himself? He loves it. Yeah. yes. Um no, I just think the the way he talked about the defensive line and uh, just some of the different things that, that he talked about and how he's pushing the kids, uh, that you know, it, it came off really well. And I think that it's a group that already has talent that already has experience so he's coming into a group can he take that group to the next level and that's kind of the big question yeah. and the things that he was talking about you know are the type of things that can you generally you know take a talented group to the next level it's you know that that's i mean similar to the USC baseball team they're you know they struggled today they they were very bad today actually and lost to UCLA but they're finally playing towards their potential and it's still a little inconsistent But it's because there's been a focus on the details. And I feel like that's a possibility with that defensive line group is, you know, if it's very detail-oriented and stuff like, you know, getting on Jay Toffelli about his academics and being on, you know, sending out group uh, texts every morning, you know, he says he he does. So I think those small things can help maybe take that group to the next level. And if they can, I think that completely changes the defense. Because at the beginning of the season last year, the defensive line was playing really well. And, you know, they – they kind of fell off towards the end of the year I think that you got to figure out how to use those guys those three big big boys how exactly to use them best and to be able to keep them fresh for the entire season yeah and I think the
2: maintenance, like Keeley's point about what do you want to see? I mean, just the structure of practice, how different does it look? How different do special teams look? How different the defensive? We're not going to see tackling, but does it look like the drills are different on the defensive side of the football? Maybe on the offensive side of the football too. And formations for the defense, like what is the front going to look like? Is it going to be a bunch of different fronts when they call in, you know, one trojan or whatever it was like you know if you knew this was going to be a nickel package but it might be something different now so i think there's a lot of different kind of details about practice uh we're going to look forward to
0: now hugh brings up a comment on facebook and he said "Uh, you all were pretty positive last year during practice and we saw the results so that's why we're a little jaded what do you say to that
2: i don't i don't remember being like super positive about stuff uh i mean this, like in the the game the mock game week usually is good like there there's more physical you know like altercations like it's a lot going Shouts on but then to the
0: 2018 mock game week nothing ever lived up to that but week. then it just
2: kind of dropped off since then <laughs>
0: yeah
2: uh i mean they were coming off 5 and 7 i don't, I don't think i was saying where there's going to be some great you know crazy turnaround we thought that was positive what Graham harrell was doing mm-hmm. and the offense was a lot better so i mean i don't think we were coming like well clancy pendergast looks like the defense is going to be so much better i mean i think we talked positively about the offensive changes because you went from like three cooks in the kitchen to one guy just running everything, and we thought that would be better, and it was a lot better.
1: And I still had qu- plenty of uh, questions about the offensive line going into last year as well. And I think yeah, that you, was you harped
2: on that the whole time. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I, yeah. I think that's kind of that's also what we're going to be watching a lot on the offensive side this year as well. I mean, everything else comes back. It's going to be about that offensive line figuring out. I thought it was interesting that Graham Harrell said that they're going to they want to find the best five players mm-hmm. and then they'll you know they'll line them up across they'll figure out where the to put them. So there's two different philosophies with that. You can either you know we got to find specific guys for specific positions or we go with our five best and then we'll we'll shuffle it around until we figure you know figure out what works uh, well together. Um, so that the, that that's the idea that they're going to go with that. I think that plays well for, for one guy in particular, and that's Justin Dieditch.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, because he's a guy, the center position is one where you get you get pigeonholed there, yep. and if you're behind somebody good, you're not getting in the game. But if you want a true five best on, on the line, you know, he's got a great chance to, to jump in that mix and maybe play some guard.
2: They're showing a lot of videos of him, like, just lifting tons of weights <laughs> on his squats and stuff. I so I don't think they'd be showing that as much as they do. I mean, I guess he's doing really well, but. You kind of feel he's going to be in the mix for things. Mm-hmm.
0: At least get some 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 solid reps, especially Elijah Vera Tucker at that left tackle position. I feel like that's almost a guarantee to to see him get a solid amount of reps there as well. Yeah. Uh, given what Graham Harrell said, I think I'm actually going to jump into calls okay. if we're okay with that. We have a full queue right now, uh, and they seem to be. You're the boss, camp Keely. Whatever questions. you want to do. Uh, let's go to our first caller on the line. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hello. Hi. Can you,
2: can you hear me? Yes. We can.
1: Oh good. Well, I had a question of course. Uh question's probably been asked every year. I still don't have a good answer. Why they don't put the names on the uniforms so people can follow them. If their favorite player's always a guard. Oh, what number was that? Who made that play?
2: You can't tell
1: without a name on it. Why do they refuse to listen to any of the viewers.
2: Thanks for the, for the call. Uh, thank you. We need to queue up uh, Fiddler on the Roof and go, Tradition! It's tradition! <laughs> That's why. They don't do that. You should know their numbers by now. Like Yeah.
1: Well, the, some of the numbers are changing.
2: They as well. are. Well, we, Speaking we of can which, put those well up.
0: done, Mr. Guy. But it's
2: tradition. So uh, there's only a couple schools that there was a Penn State doesn't either. I think. I don't think or, they do as well. Yeah, uh, it's just a, it's been a tradition. Um, and I, I think if you put names on the back of the jerseys, you would there would be, right. be outrage. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. change the color of the socks and people yeah, are going that's what nuts. To say
0: people get it...
2: you put names on the jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: people get crazy about the socks, but that's alone.
2: interesting. Uh, I, I mean, our caller sounded like you know he was a, an older gentleman. Usually, people that have been fans for a long time, they do like the tradition about stuff. So that's interesting that he would be someone that wants to put the names on the jersey. Usually, it's the younger generation that wants that.
1: And the best part, if you're you know a fan, you get a 14 jersey or or for sam darnold you know in a couple years it might be someone else you know that you can be like oh yeah recyclable jerseys Mm -hmm. to to an extent
0: it's cost effective (laughs) uh speaking of number changes shotgun let's go
1: though you have to do have to say like if you you get a number seven for matt barkley like you know you have to tell people like no i got this for barkley instead of marvel tale yeah
0: or you can be a fan of both whatever works um Third time's the charm. Number changes. Uh, All of these kind of make sense in my head, except the one that's going to get hard for me is uh, JT Daniels taking Jack Sears' former 10. That's the one that's going to...
2: Because you're used to seeing number 10 Mm -hmm. doing stuff on the field at the quarterback spot, and it's not JT Daniels.
0: Yeah. So... (laughs) It will be interesting to see that. But uh Maneer McClain takes number two, Max Williams goes to four. Brim McCoy takes that four number. Like we said, JT Daniels gets a ten. Raylan Goforth is ten as well. And Jude Wolf moving over to eighteen, taking JT Daniels' old number. So a yeah. shake up there. And the
1: interesting thing to me is that he wore eighteen in high school. Uh JT Daniels did. Yeah. And then he wore it here. So maybe it's just he wants a fresh start, um, with a new number, you know, coming off the knee injury. A little bit of news. I talked to JT Daniels um, over the weekend. Okay, um, and he's going to be able to do a good amount of work actually this spring. He believes so. Wow. He's, he's not going to be able. To, he's still not going to be able to do running and full sprints or anything like that. But a lot of the drop back work, he's he should be able to do. Uh, obviously, they'll be monitoring it the entire way and, and making sure that there's no you know swelling or anything like that. But he believes he'll be able to you know be in there, make throws, and basically do everything up to seven on seven. And if that's the case, I mean, that's a huge boost for him and the potential of there actually being a quarterback competition because I've said it several times about how I I didn't expect – him to be able to do anything until late in the summer, uh, in, in the fall, and that was going to give Keaton Slovis that much of an advantage because he's going to have that extra time and, and reps. Now JT gets in there, you know, this it might actually turn into a uh, an actual quarterback competition when I didn't think there actually would be one.
0: Well, I'm going to stop you there and go to our next caller who I believe has a question about JT Daniels. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision.
1: All right, well, uh, this is Brandon from Minnesota. So you just answered my question like <laughs> – Will there actually be a competition? Because I feel like replacing a all American or a freshman all American would be very poor decision, at least in the eyes of like the the people who contribute money to USC. So I don't
2: know. Hey Brandon, thanks. Yeah. So I mean I actually wrote a piece this week about or this weekend about hey, could Keaton Slovis win the Heisman Trophy? And then I got a lot of pushback from people that were JT Daniels fans our assumption was that it's going to take a long time for him to recover from the knee injury he might not be able to do stuff in the summer we don't know how early in fall camp he'd be fully out there competing and if that's the case it's going to be really hard to take the place of a Keaton and beat him out but if it you know if what JT Daniels is saying is true he can actually do some work in the spring that means he'll be around for you know if he can do stuff in the summer when they're doing seven on seven that's a huge step up full bore into fall camp then I think there can be a competition because Graham Harrell did say there would be one. I was kind of going into the assumption they wouldn't. Uh, you know, completing seventy one point nine percent of his passes was a, a freshman, you know, national record, right, and a Pac twelve record. I mean, he he did some some pretty amazing things as a true freshman. You're supposed to take some big step for steps forward as a sophomore, but you know, J T Daniels can beat him out in practice. It, I think it's probably unlikely, but if he's healthier or now in the spring gets to do something, it will be more of a competition.
1: And let's not forget that J.T. Daniels was actually the starter last year. Yeah, it wasn't like he got beat out by Keaton Slovis. Obviously, no. the injury um, set him back, and Keaton Slovis took a lot of made a lot of strides throughout the season and got better and better. Um, so I, I think that, like you said, it's going to be hard for him to beat him out. But I think that the fact that he's going to be getting reps and you know you'll you'll be able to see defense and, and do all the things that you want. Now he's not going to be able to do scramble drills or full eleven on eleven. But to be able to to get reads and see how the plays progress and continue to to be able to do stuff there, I think it's huge for him. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I I think I said this previously on the show, but for him, I think and I was kind of miffed that Jack Sears didn't stick it out and you know potentially be there if needed, which almost was needed for USC yeah. this season. But just to get those practice reps and continue to progress there, and then, hey, you get your degree and you, you look for a graduate transfer opportunity, um, I, I thought that that would would make much more sense for Jack Sears. And I think JT Daniels, he goes into it, has a competition. Something happens to Keenan Slovis, he can step in. Uh, and if not, then he goes through the season. He's ready. He's got his degree. and He's ready to go to somewhere else and, and try to find a starting job uh, elsewhere. So I think it's really big just to continue his development, though, yeah. as a quarterback starting with the spring. And if he's able to get these reps that, that he believes he will be able to, I think that's huge for him. Yep.
0: And the question that we're getting now in the comments when we're talking about JT Daniels is, is the competition comment from Graham Harrell just an honor thing for JT? Or do you really think that there is a chance that come uh, the Alabama game, JT Daniels could be the starting quarterback?
2: I mean, I, I think there's a chance. It's just like we said, I think it's unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, we know Graham Harrell loves him some Keaton Slovis and Keaton Slovis performed, you know, despite there were some, you know, some ups and downs, but he played really well and Graham Harrell expects big things, big steps forward. In year two, uh, so we'll watch. We'll see what they both look like uh, if they're able to practice. You know, we'll see a little bit of JT in the spring. Definitely over the summer when they're running stuff, and uh, you know that you can show a lot of leadership over those summer workouts when it's just the players and there's no coaches. So if JT Daniels can be there, part of that, that's big. And then obviously being able to start fall camp full bore, if it's a full on competition, those first two weeks you want to try to win out that job. So I, I think there's a chance. It just seems. Unlikely at this point, barring yeah. you know some sort of injury.
1: And now I made this point on family the Family Feud podcast plug, plug. Uh, but <laughs> you you have to remember that he's a Mike Leach disciple. How many times has Mike Leach actually had a quarterback competition? It's often. I mean, he's yeah. pulled Luke Falk out of games and, and throws in Tyler Halinski. Uh, I mean, those type things. He's it's always a competition. So he comes from that tree. Expect that to be the case. So you know, initially when he said that in the in the pressers that we had. You, know, you you listen to it and you go yeah okay yeah right yeah. but then when i start thinking about it and go you know Mike Leach is is constantly has competition as well so I, it made me it lends me to believe that yeah if JT Daniels comes out and he and he's balling and Keaton's struggling for whatever reason then i wouldn't be surprised if you do have an actual competition and you know it could be one of those things that actually is week to week i mean that's every other position every other position is a, is a week to week
0: to a certain extent
2: yeah
1: I mean, but, you have older guys, and you trust your older guys, and that's. But it's usually, a good, what I mean Leach
2: has done that. though. Leach has benched guys that other coaches wouldn't like. A guy yeah. that threw for five thousand yards a year before and set records gets benched. You know, like Luke. You know, so things have like have happened. Graham Harrell's been around that, so we'll see if he's be willing to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. All righty, let's jump into our next caller. I believe it is Dave from Iowa. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision.
2: Yes, hello. can you guys hear me? Yes, we can, Dave.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, it's me, Dave from Iowa, as usual. I just got a question of, like, why you guys turned down my option of, like, possibly going for the guard out of LSU. Considering that, one, you guys always talked about the left guard, Elijah Vera Tucker, mo- Elijah Veritucker moving out to the left tackle position. And then the fact of – I remember about a month ago, actually, we were – like, we were, so, someone had a question about the transfer portal. It's like, why are they in the portal? And, Ryan, you said, well, if – well, for the guys that are in the portal, the guys who are like at that boat, the big time programs, like BAM and LSU, they most likely start for us. So I'm just curious why you guys didn't agree with me.
2: Hey, Dave. Dave, you sound- us. First yeah. of all, you're making us remember things like that's never a good idea. <laughs> he just like sounds a
0: little, a little, little yeah.
2: so a little bit. So I think specifically they, I think they're, we'll see what they kind of do as far as the spring goes, as far as getting at the, the left tackle out there. But if you're going to bring in a guard, I think it's like I said, the, couple weeks ago or whatever it was, it's good for depth, but that's not really what they need right now. They need like an established starting left tackle. You can move Elijah Veritek or someone that you know, that's been in your program and you know what he can do. I don't know if you want to bring in someone that's been a guard somewhere else and then say, Hey, we're going to move you out the tackle unless they've scouted him and they look and they they feel that they can do that. It just seems like more of a, a, you know, a long shot for something like that to happen to me.
1: I would agree with most of that.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Most of that. Most of it. Sorry, Dave. I hope that answered your question. Um, Dave, but we accept Dave, most all suggestions. Ideas. We'll, we'll, we'll,
2: yeah, we'll we'll take most of your
1: suggestions, Dave. <laughs>
2: I, I mean, they might. Who knows? They might do it. But I, I just think they were looking specifically for one position. It's a left tackle.
1: Yeah, I just think that they're not going to. You want to see? A, you want to be able to see a guy's tape. If you're go, you're going into the transfer portal for a grad transfer, you're looking for a guy to come in and start. You would hope it's someone who's like Stevie T, yeah. uh, who comes in and dominates. Uh, and that was kind of my, you know, my knock on Drew Richmond last year during camp is that, you know, I, if you come in as a grad transfer, I expect you to come in and be Stevie Tui Kolovatu, yeah. yeah. and be able to dominate from the beginning and take someone's spot over. I'm like, no, don't even try. This is my spot. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you're you're grabbing someone from the portal, you want to be able to see that tape and know that what you're getting rather than bringing someone on and using a scholarship and then being like, well, we hope he can compete. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Darren from Culver city. I believe. Hello. You are live on television.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Darren from Culver city. And, uh, I just wanted to talk shotgun. Um, so
2: I want to say one, I'm a huge fan of basketball, but, um, not USC basketball, but yeah. Um, (laughs) and the other thing was that, um, it's just usually at the age, like I, his name's Shotgun, right? But I was just thinking that he's more like a
1: pistol because at the age of 23, people stop wearing their cap backwards, and yet this guy still wears it and then okay. comes on with a tie. Like, man, oh, so
2: funny. Hey, thanks. Good call there. Oh thanks very goodness.
0: much. Well, for your information, Taylor Mace actually goes by pistol because he said he's not as great as Shotgun. Yeah, so, <laughs> there you go. So you can talk to Taylor Mays about that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, moving on, <laughs> Shotgun. I know you're putting questions in the queue. Is there a question you would like to go to next?
1: Uh, I, I, Jasper has not always has some great questions, Jasper. But one of his questions was which player who didn't play last season will make the biggest impact on the field in 2020. I, I think we should probably extend that because the easy answer is just Brew McCoy. I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you should extend that to who didn't play much, and I think then you have some you know some other options there potentially. Uh, and, and Justin Didić is a guy that could be in there because I. I Whoever gets that extra spot and Andrew Voorhees is another one that you could consider, you know, guys that didn't play much last year, uh, but could be starters this year on the offensive line. And because that's the biggest question mark for me going into the season with this team, those are the spots that I'm kind of looking at.
2: Yeah. I would put Voorhees probably at the top because it's almost, I mean, it's almost certain that he's going to be starting mm-hmm. now. As long as he's healthy, uh, you know, he was the starter last year, got injured, uh, and was in there I mean a guy like Bru McCoy there's a lot of other wide receivers out there but he's going to get a significant run could be a guy like Solomon Tuilapupu you know he could be in there and, and still got to see him practice yeah we got to see him <laughs> practice but like someone yeah, like yeah we that. got
0: a question about that too any updates on Solomon Tuilapupu
2: I put a picture in there of him if you oh, want oh well there you go yeah any updates on him we, that's one of the things we have to wait and see yeah. watch him practice you he's know? a
0: guy you definitely have to wait and see and like a
2: couple of days in a row not like we yeah. saw one good practice we want to see you know a mm-hmm. week of practices or so.
1: Things have sounded positive in his recovery, from what we've been told, but you know don't don't know until you see it on the field.
2: Yeah, and then you know what shotgun said with the offensive line, it's people moving around. If it's Dietrich, if it's like Jason Rodriguez playing left tackle, whatever it is, someone you know someone in that line is going to get significant run, uh, and it, you know one or two of them probably didn't play a whole lot last year.
0: Let's go to a Facebook question from Leonard, who said, "Would it be possible for USC to have a, key, a two quarterback system?"
1: the the age old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And I'm a a follower of that because the quarterback position is such a leadership spot that it's so hard to flip things over. And now some quarterbacks talk about, well, I got to get in a rhythm, you know, when there's competitions and stuff, I'm not a huge believer in that. I think you just have to, the game has to slow down. You have to be able to read things. It's more of that than, you know, getting your arm and getting that kind of rhythm um, so you just usually it doesn't work because bouncing in and out of the lineup, guys start looking over the shoulder. And I don't think you I actually I know USC won't do that because Clay Helton has said several times that he won exact for that exact reason he doesn't want quarterbacks looking yeah. over the shoulder. So because, you know, each time they've had a competition, you know, well what would it take for this and you know, for so and so to get in? He's always said, "No, I'm going to have complete faith in them. We'll reevaluate, and you know, in between games or whatever, rather than people looking over their shoulder during a game." Yeah,
0: we have a question from Marshall on YouTube who said it was kind of interesting. Do some? Do you think some guys might transfer out if the coaches quote unquote push them too hard in spring practice?
2: I mean, there's six new coaches. Whenever you have that kind of coaching turnover, there's always a chance that guys are going to transfer. I thought more people would have been transferring after last season. They haven't. Maybe some will wait till the spring. Maybe they won't transfer at all. But when you do get, you know, you got a new coordinator in special teams, you got a new coordinator uh, on the defensive side of the football, a whole bunch of, you know, all new coaches on the defensive side. You know, some guys might have felt like they were next in line and they get bumped down a little bit. So, you know, we'll see. We saw a guy like C.J. Pollard transfer out. Um, You might see a few more, though. It's just uh, when you have that kind of coaching turnover, there's always an opportunity for guys to, you know, find a reason to transfer.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think it becomes, you know, if you're an older guy and you start seeing the writing on the wall that you're not going to be a starter, yeah, those type of things yeah. is when you see transfers after spring. Guys, they're like, my time is about to be up. I need to go somewhere and play if I want to get taped to potentially go to the, the NFL if they think that they're you know a pro prospect. So I, a lot of times that's what it is, uh, ne- more than necessarily them just being soft and you know they're getting pushed harder by the coaches. Is you got to look for opportunities and if you're not getting it. At USC, then you want to have the chance to play and put and get tape.
2: Yeah. We got a Periscope one. Sure. Mario, Periscope
0: love. Great job, Ryan. Mario
2: Fowler. Can the quarterback situation be like with the Bama situation two years ago when Tua took over for Hertz? Um, I think in, this is a little bit different situation because we've seen both of these guys. There's a lot of experience. If you remember when USC played, uh, you know, when Hertz took over originally in 2016, there was a lot of inexperience there. This is a, I think this is just a little bit different because of you've seen a year of JT Daniels, you've seen a year of Keaton Slovis. Um, it's really just going to be about who's playing better at that point.
1: A lot of times when you have an elite freshman that you think is going to be really, really good, then this was kind of, this was the, ideally this would have been the Max Brown, Sam Darnold situation for USC is that you have a veteran, you know, he goes out there and he gives you a great chance to win. You play well, that's the Jalen Hurts. And then you give... A little, you put a series or a package in and every game for the freshman to get his feet wet and start. And that's what happened with Tua. Yeah. You know, he was playing a lot, uh, you know, playing in pretty much every game, you know, getting a series or so. And Georgia was doing the same with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Obviously, that didn't work out for them. <laughs> um, but, and that's again, that goes back to the two quarterback system. You know, if you're trying to throw a guy in there for a drive, You know, and and things aren't working out. Now, that one was more so that Fromm still had another year, Fields was ready to start, and obviously we saw how well he could do at Ohio State this season. Um, But it it comes to if you do have a veteran guy, a senior, and then you have a freshman, that's how you want to play it. You want to get that guy ready so you don't just start a a guy with no experience at all the next season. Uh, For USC, that's not really the case with with JT and Keaton being technically the same uh, grade now. Yeah.
0: A question from Chris on YouTube who says, Have you guys been able to get eyes on some players? And if so, have you seen any crazy body changes? Funnily enough, I felt like half of the football team was at the basketball game yesterday. Uh, essentially, the whole staff was there, including Clay Hilton, and then a big contingency of the, the team was there. Cope uh, Pepe looks much bigger, uh, in my opinion, and I felt like Keen Silvis actually looks a little bit bigger. But I was trying to, I was filming the game, but also they were like kind of near me, and I was like trying to do some like scouting while filming the game, so I was multitasking. But shocking, were you able to to peep any players as well?
1: I mean, if you look at some of the videos and stuff they posted as well, um, Elijah Vera Tucker is a guy that he's just naturally big, but for some reason it seems like he is you know thicker in the shoulders to me. I could be completely making that up. You know, the whole thing of like seeing a guy and like, it usually takes someone to have put on 20 to 25 pounds for you to really go, Oh yeah. Or like completely lean down and they're just super tone. And, just from glancing at guys when they're going through at, at a basketball game, it's not exactly when you see that, or at least it, for me. No one, like, caught my eye, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, that that looks like a complete – no one has Nico Fallon. Right. That, that was – Yeah. At Pro Day, where it was just like, who, what, who is that – oh, yeah. that's Nico? Oh. Yeah.
2: I think Chris Hawkins did it, too, in that pro day. He looked him. He looked pretty uh, buff oh, compared to what he was before. But yeah, Nico Fowler looked like a different human being. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like the same person.
0: I feel like you can only fully tell when they get the pads back on. Then you can kind of compare in your mind for how long you've seen them in that way. I don't know. Um, let's go to a question from Jasser Smith, who says, At running back, who will get the most carries in in 2020?
1: Ooh. Uh, yeah. I'll go with Marquis Step. Ooh. I'm going to go with Vi. Yeah, I was about to say Vi. Vi. I think Vi. He's just the guy they depend on. They is most dependable to the coaching staff because they feel like he can do all the the different aspects of what they want from a running back, from blocking, catching uh, standpoint. He's just a well-rounded, versatile guy. He's not the most explosive, not the biggest, not the guy that's going to pound you as much as Marquis Step. He's not going to shake you as much as Stephen Carr, but he just does a little bit of everything. He's well-rounded, and I think they, they really um, you know appreciate that aspect of his game.
0: We have a question from Mark who says, have you heard anything about if the media will be allowed back into practice during the season? That is when Clay usually tends to cut back on physicality.
2: We don't know yet. That they've opened things up for the spring, so that's a good step in the right direction. I think the new administration does like having uh, the openness and the accountability. So we don't know. They haven't told us uh, about the fall yet. But So we'll we'll get through the spring and kind of figure it out, see what kind of access we've had. They really limited what we could see for summer workouts so um you know if the administration like the Pete carroll days they liked having media out at the summer workouts because what do our websites you know we cater to people that follow recruiting the recruits follow every you know everything we do when we put up a video of you know if it was a dory jackson or back in the day whoever you know uh you know camp whoever was making some great play yeah, usually you, dory Adoree would make some great plays. Yes. You, you know, there would be up there, we'd have a video of it and the, the recruits that USC are recruiting, the prospects would be watching those kind of videos and it was actually helpful uh, for the recruiting effort. So blocking us out of that is, was it, I think it was an advantage that USC had on the recruiting side that they don't have anymore. Now that recruiting is falling off more, I think you want to try to get every advantage back you can get.
1: Also, we shoot highlights. Why would they not want to be able to actually watch the players? Because they're not allowed to watch the yeah. players work out. With when, there's not allowed to, they're not allowed to watch players when there is a football involved, basically. Uh, so that's why they can do all the, you know, they can do all the conditioning and running and stuff. They can't do anything with the football. So why would you not want to get your eyes on your players and see how they're doing? Okay, well they're doing one on ones. If I'm Dante Williams. I want to see what these guys can do. Sure, Why yeah. would it, yeah. it, it makes no sense. It to did manage. help
2: the coaches too. They would, we know they would all watch our videos that we would put up there and stuff. And like yeah. the, the fans loved seeing the pictures of like the new players coming in with yeah. the workout. So that was a great, I mean, it was a, that was my, probably my favorite part of covering the team. Like the summer stuff was, was really fun. And they've really, they've cut that back. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a little more access this summer. We'll see.
0: We shall see. But we uh, don't know yet. We have a question from Jesse on Facebook. It's something that I've seen a lot. Uh, he said, why are we not hearing from Clay Helton? Why are the assistants, the AD, Coach Bone, uh, the face of the program right now?
2: Yeah, we've I got, I got that one on Periscope too. Um,
1: I got I mean, that one today at the baseball game.
2: Did yeah. you? Yeah.
0: My dad even asked me about it. It's just, I think they've learned that Clay Hilton is not very popular right now because Listen, we would get a bajillion questions right now if Clay Helton was talking. Why is Clay Helton talking? We want to hear from the assistants. I think that they kind of know that it's not uh, the most popular guy to put out there as far as the face of the program right yeah.
2: now. what They're trying to go with their best foot forward right now, and they like the assistants that they hired. So they're going to put them out there. Now, is that a good thing if you're the head coach and people would rather hear from your assistants than you? I mean, that's something that Clay can't fix until he wins. And you got to win games. Go out and beat Alabama. People will want to talk to you. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is right now. So they're trying to show, you know, there's there's some tarnish on this, the USC football brand, but there's some shiny spots. And they're trying to, you know, accent those shiny spots as opposed to showing the the tarnish that everyone knows. So Clay Holden, it's going to take him a while to get back in the good graces of the fans. But it's, you know, and it's only by winning. It's not by what you say or anything like that. He's just got to go out and beat teams like Alabama, Oregon, Notre Dame this year. And you do that... Then you can win back people.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's really comes down to what's the po- what do they get positive from it? You know, if he's out there talking, what what is good? What good comes from it for the USC program? Because even if he says all the right things, this is the assistant coach just said a lot of right things, and still people just say, "Well, talk is cheap." <laughs> yeah. W- why don't you win on the field? So there's nothing positive going to come from it. So why put it out there? Because it's only going to bring negativity when everyone because everyone doesn't like it. It's the same thing when with Bone just kind of disappeared from Twitter. You know, didn't have any original tweets for a long time yeah. because what was the use? What yeah. was the positivity gonna? Yeah. I mean, what good was it gonna be for him to to be out there and everyone just every single reply that he has, fire Helton, fire Helton, yeah. fire Helton. Yep. I mean, it it didn't make any sense, so he just took a break. Now he's back on and, yeah. and has been tweeting some positive stuff things happened, and yeah. then yeah. he comes back. Yeah, there's there's positive things for him to say, not just. So it's it's really you know, just a PR strategy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. If you don't, some people think any news is good news you know, or any publicity is good publicity, but that's not necessarily the case. No. So if there's nothing positive going on and it's not like there's a scandal going on that he needs to talk about, it's like, why is this guy not talking about this situation? Yeah. It's right. the off season, yeah. you know, things just aren't, there's nothing actually going on. Um, you know, he, he released a, st- in this each hiring, he released a statement about the coaches. So technically he has said something about them. So I just don't think he actually they-
0: didn't say anything about, other than Todd Orlando, which I thought was a little odd. Oh, but, really? Yeah.
1: I thought he did put nope. him something in.
0: only came out in the Orlando uh, release. Well, no, oh,
1: I okay. stand corrected on that. <laughs> Sorry I would, about that. You would like to hear him say something about the coaches, but he'll he'll do all that on, yeah. on Wednesday or whatever day of the week that we'll, we'll get him uh, this week. He'll talk about all the assistant coaches, I'm sure.
0: Mm hmm. a question from John on Facebook who says Any chance Keenan Kristen could return pun slash kickoffs, kickoffs if he can catch? Seems like you'd want your fastest, fastest player returning kicks.
1: I mean, he was back there last year when Vale's yeah. Jones got hurt yep. at the end of the season, so I would say yes. Yeah, and if you read
2: Chris Trevino's like 10 predictions for spring football, he put Gary Bryant Jr. is going to be the, I think he's the punt returner, right? He's he's, gonna...
0: Chris Trevino is very high on Gary Bar- Bryant Jr., whereas Shotgun is, is still waiting and seeing on that front.
2: Yeah.
1: As far as a returner, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ryan Fox now, and we, we got to talk about basketball a little bit, which we I do, can't believe yes. I'm saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he wants Ryan Fox wants to know: uh, Was Clay Halton booed at the basketball game? Did they put him up on the screen? Was he
0: any- not booed?
1: I got a tweet about that, too. Um, Yeah, I didn't really – I didn't pay attention. So I guess that tells me that I – What's he put up on the screen? I was
0: waiting. So what happened was is that he was actually the first guy out of the coaches, and he, like, shook the hands of the um, Trojan Knights and, like, rang the victory bell a little bit. Uh, But they didn't introduce him yet. They introduced all the other coaches and, like, a lot of cheers for Todd Orlando and the defensive staff. And then they're, like, with head coach Clay Helton and then, like, kept talking. (laughs) So I think they kind of just, like, slid it in there pretty quick. But – it, no booze. I didn't hear anything like that I think the crowd was not hostile in that sense um, and I think they were excited about the t-shirt tosh that, that was happening at that <laughs> point so um, but it wasn't like they led with Clay Helton
1: and yeah. his assistants you know they were strategic was, about yeah, it strategy. not really
2: giving that the opportunity to have like a a, a space where you could boo for yes. something like that yes.
1: again but think about that they're actually contemplating these things first which is a positive how many times would they yeah. been like why did they not just think of this beforehand yeah I I think that you have to give credit to the new staff that has come in that they're actually taking a look at these small details. Yeah. And you know, just like I said before, small details, you know, that's what takes a good team to a great team or you know elevates is uh, attention to small details. And I think you're seeing it at least from the athletic department itself. The stuff we did not see in the past. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of stuff we haven't seen in the past, but I think it's a lot of attention to details that is getting taken care of. So uh, you got to at least think, as of right now, the athletic department seems to be heading in the right direction, yeah. much more so than it has been the last decade. Yeah, mm-hmm. no Agreed. question.
0: Uh, Donald has a weird question. He, want. he says, I would like to know the current height slash weight for the three of you. I don't know why I'm entertaining this question, but we do it for players all the time, but we're not players. <laughs> Uh, i'm
2: 5'9 you're not gonna go wait
0: and i'm redacted
2: <laughs> that's fine that's no big deal uh, i'm 6'3 i might have shrunk a little because i'm getting older uh but i'm about 188 right now
1: i'm 6'2 and i'm at 182 or something like that. oh okay my weight fluctuates a lot though i go from 160 to 200
2: yeah i was i was like 220 ish before so like 188 187 in that range is pretty good now but i'm not gonna shotgun no He's always low he's always skittier than me.
0: <laughs> there you go, Donald. We're an open book. Uh Kevin says, Has the C O V I D basically the coronavirus uh COVID? <laughs> COVID. I don't know if you like I've only read it. I've never had to say it before. So there you go. The coronavirus implications impacted large group gathering specifically practice any precautions. This is something that I was talking to Shotgun about last night, actually. What are they going to do with open practices, given that there are virus concerns?
2: I mean, there were 10,000 people at the basketball game, right? I didn't, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like, that's a lot worse than, and that's like in a building. This is not outside. I don't know. I think that would be worse.
1: So, so this conversation came up with Keely and I because the I think it was the NHL has decided that they are yeah, yeah, that's that what talking about. they're not going to open the locker rooms not have an open locker room pol- policy for media just because of concerns over it and my thought was that eventually they'll just keep that because everyone wants to restrict restrict access as much as they can um, however, the Pac-12 uh, issued a statement to I think John Conazzaro about the you know if the the same thing would be going on in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 basketball tournament, and they said as of right now they do not plan to, to have any changes to the you know their media policy and allowing the open locker room after games. So as of now, there's no changes. USC has not made any changes yet themselves, and I think it's still it's it's a wait and see process here um you know a lot of people are really scared about this situation right now and it's just everyone's trying to take the precautions that they can but as of right now the i mean the the biggest issue is in washington uh that's where they've had some of the issues so maybe washington maybe does some things different but so they might be a a program to just kind of keep an eye on and see if they kind of change anything and then maybe some other schools will would follow suit a, a little bit there the the one thing that has changed is USC and Stanford both have canceled um, kids going to class. Wow. So yeah. they're, they're taking online classes uh, for the next – I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this upcoming week leading in – for USC leading into their, their spring break. Okay. So if you're a student, now you don't have to go – physically go to class. Yeah. You could go to Las Vegas to support the <laughs> basketball team. Wait, so
2: those players that – Practice on Wednesday. They won't really be missing class. They'd be missing an on. Well, they'd miss an online class. Right.
1: <laughs> could class. they have like
2: their phone and like to take the class while they're like <laughs> while practicing. Well, they're doing like a rep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like I got a one-on-one. I'll I mean, wait. they
1: a- they could actually like be dressed out in the locker room and be on their computer until their class is over and they can run straight yeah. out. True.
2: All right. This isn't because I really want to talk about basketball. This is because we I, need to talk I, about I, I want to get the sh- I don't want the show to go for two hours. So
0: <laughs> I know um, we. I, I you looked guys it up. were both there. We had a, a tunnel vision record last week it for was, our show. Length. Yeah, it was the lo- longest show. Which is pretty crazy. Like the off-season. Like off-season random show, yeah. Yeah, a
2: lot of questions. That's so good.
0: Um, Shottington, we were at the basketball game. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, shotgun and I did instant analysis at a basketball game. Pretty exciting. Um, so we can kind of rehash what we talked about. But uh, USC locked in a first-round bye at the Pac-12 tourney. What does this mean for this team? And, and where do you think they're going to go uh, in the tournament?
1: Yeah, so they're, they're locked in. They're the number four seed uh, after the the final results last night of the Oregon game. Uh, they officially were the f- number four seed. Getting a bye is huge for. Them, I mean, it's used for any team. Uh, I, I think I told Keeley in this analysis. I believe the number is there's only been one team, I believe, to since the they started this format of the tournament in 2011 uh, to win the championship that played on that first day. I think there's only been two teams to even make the championship. So out of like uh, you know 16, 18 potential teams to make the the championship game, um, you know, over those years, there's only been two. That have come that have had to play that extra game on uh, on Wednesday. So I think it's really big for USC to get that buy. Uh, they're such an inconsistent team that it's uh, that it's easier for them to win three games than it is four yeah. uh, because of you know, how streaky they can be offensively. So I, I think that they the getting the buy is huge for them. Now they get the four seed rather than the three because Oregon won last night, and that becomes significant because. The first game that the four seed will get is the five twelve, which is Arizona versus Washington, uh, both teams that have beat USC. Whereas the six eleven game is Stanford and Washington State, which are two teams that USC has defeated. Um, so a little bit unfortunate for them there that they couldn't push up to the three seed and, and even avoid an Oregon until uh, the final, which is what you would ideally like to do. But they'll play at two thirty on Wednesday. Um, or on Thursday, Thursday excuse yeah. me, against the winner of Arizona and Washington. You know USC has beaten both of those teams as well. Yeah, um, but you know th- that's a much tougher draw, I think, than the Washington State and uh, Stanford on the other side. So uh, we'll see how they play. You know they've got a great chance. I think they locked in a bid, the NCAA tournament bid, with their win over UCLA. I think that was enough to push them over the edge. I think though, you get a win against potentially Arizona. A second win against them, I think that only boosts you because Arizona, when they beat them a couple weeks ago, they were ranked number seven in the net. So, you know, the, the, their metrics are really high. So I think that would help boost their resume even more, possibly move up a couple spots in the in the seeding for the NCAA tournament bracket. So could be huge for them there. I mean, it was a great game yesterday. I don't know if you watched any of it. But, yeah, I mean, dramatic finish. Uh, Jonah Matthews said, you know, it was a dream situation. You know, this is what he dreamed of, you know, making a shot to beat your rival, at, you know, in the final second of the game, almost at the buzzer. And he had to go through some uh, some struggles in the game. You know, he missed some free throws late, mm-hmm. but he redeemed himself for sure. Yeah. yeah,
2: that was, was there any, when you guys talked to him, was there any question? Because he just dribbled the ball off the court and then took the shot. Like he didn't, there wasn't any pass. There was He just dribbled and shot and, and won the game.
1: So, Andy Enfield, uh, when he was asked about it, he said that they called a timeout before UCLA shot the go ahead free throw. Uh, Try to ice the guy, but he he said, you know, I expected it to go in because they made pretty much everything else from the free throw line. And so he said. Jonah, we're gonna live and die. Um, we're gonna live and die with you, Jonah. You know, put the ball in his senior hands. And what did Jonah say?
0: We're gonna live tonight. <laughs> he
1: said, "We're gonna live. We're, gonna, we're live gonna live to celebrate." Yeah, and he he proved himself to be true to his words. Uh, they, you know, they basically we're gonna give the ball to him, give him a screen, and then let him decide if he was gonna get trapped. He could look for a big O for a play, or you know, to to take the shot, or you know, they wanted to switch on the big guy. And Jonah said in our interview with him that uh, – or with Keeley that yeah, when I, once I saw them switch, I was like, they, was like yeah. this guy can't guard me. He's yeah. like, there's
0: no way. And he also told me that that was that specific shot he had practiced over and over again in the Galen Center by himself. And so he was like – oh. it was muscle memory. Like once I did it, I knew it was going in. So uh, He didn't
2: need a three. He only needed a two, but he took mm-hmm. the three. Dramatic. You know, step more back. dramatic, yeah.
1: I mean the, he's he's practiced the step back a lot. I know that's one of the, the – in particular, one of the shots that he's worked on a ton uh, through his career. And that's one of those shots that he wouldn't have made as a freshman. That's not a shot that he had practiced coming in. You know, he was more of a, a set shooter as a three-point shooter. And those are – when you get four-year guys, you see the development, and that's one of the things that developed in his game was his ability to, to take someone off the dribble and hit a shot like that. So great shot for him, great for USC, great environment, like I said yesterday. And I think – I talked about this at the end, end of instant analysis, if you want to uh, – Hear Plugged. a little bit more about it, but I think it was great for the football team because they had all, a, all the players there, the coaches there, um, but also they had a ton of recruits there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those Tons. recruits, it was a good
2: environment and everything. Yeah. And those
1: recruits got to see. Maybe they went to the Coliseum uh, last year and like, yeah, the, the fans just really don't get behind USC. No, they saw. You know, when USC is winning, how the fans will get behind a team, and I think that's a positive thing for them. Um, so with as many recruits as they had in, I think to bring it back to football was, was a positive for the football team as well. That the there was a dramatic game, and then also the USC won. Yeah.
2: Jeff on Periscope real quick, a little snarky. Uh, ask Andy Enfield if they practice free throws as much as Clay Helton practices tackling.
1: So I got asked this at the basketball game when <laughs> really? I was talking, okay. I mean the baseball game when I was talking today too, um, and I actually looked up last night, you know, like 60%, you make 6%, no one like uh, bitches and complains about your free throw shooting. Uh, they might, like, ah, they should make some more. So I looked up and saw how many times that they've, you know, made, 60, and like 12 of the last 15 games, they made over 60%. You know, it's not ideal number. And in some of those games, they made 80, 90%. But the problem is the games when they don't make their free throws, they really don't make their free throws. <laughs> You know they're like eight and eighteen, eight for eighteen in a game against uh, uh, Utah, Ooh, I believe it was. That's bad. You know the five of twelve yesterday. They only had two free throws in the first half, so you know that was the second half. There were three of ten, and you know guys that you and Andy Anfield's response was, you know I get we got our two best free throw shooters on the line, and Jonah Matthews and Yeka Akangwu, and he said Okongwu, he said in all his time watching him as a high school player, said he never missed a clutch free throw. Yep. And he's like, as a coach, what you do is you try to put your best free throw shooters on the free throw line.
0: Because I believe Big O was 78% from the line and, and uh, Jonah was 75% from the line, which is, what can you do there?
2: Yeah, you put them in the right spot, the players have to execute. Yeah, it,
1: and I think it just gets, it, you know, it gets uh, blown up when you miss your free throws, and especially it's a close game, but people don't didn't, don't really pay attention to that 12 of the 15, they are making their free throws yeah. uh, uh, a significant amount, so... I think it just stood out a little bit more, and especially with it being a close game. If they were up by twenty, you know, people were like, "Oh, they should make some more free throws." Not, "Oh my God, that had a free throw,"
0: <laughs> just like that. Ryan, did that satisfy your? Yeah, basketball? that's good.
1: We got the. Uh...
0: It's just so weird to say.
2: <laughs> well, we wanted to get like you know.
0: No, I know, I know. I just you you were pushing. If, for I, you know,
2: I don't want to talk about the basketball team when they're like you know under five hundred and stuff, and you're like, "Oh, they're going to be good." That you know, they they start off good, have a little bit of a lull, they've come back, and they're looking better now, and. They can make a run in the Pac-12 tournament. We'll talk about them more, Look at <laughs> but that. Well, I don't want to talk about tournament teams. I'm not talk about NIT stuff or whatever. Like that doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather well talk about spring football. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's jump back into questions. Jasper Smith says, uh, "Which player who didn't play last season will make the biggest impact on the field in 2020?"
2: Didn't we do that one? We answered that one. Oh, did we? When did we yeah. do that. Oh, we did.
0: When you asked earlier. Oh, sorry, I was <laughs> dealing with
2: other issues. That's okay, Keely. Um,
0: but I will answer. I think Caleb Turnbull. I don't know what you guys said. Oh, we
2: didn't say that. Yeah, no. Caleb Turnbull, That's did you mention him? Uh, yes. Yeah,
1: uh, and I, I think that's uh you know an interesting call, but also you know his position coach talked about him several times. Right, that's why I'm making and, that call. And so that that tells you something when you have a new coach come in and you know he's singling out someone who didn't play a ton the previous season. As someone who's been a leader of the group, who's, you know, working really hard, those type things, eh, new coach, maybe new playing time.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's his last year of eligibility, so mm. sometimes that's the, the switch that guys need to kind of really lock in. So we shall see. Yes. Uh, Randy says, will Slovis be 100% for spring practice? I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't it sound it like from
2: sound what Graham like Harrell it. said. I, uh, didn't,
1: I hadn't really even crossed my mind, you know, the the injury he sustained in the Holiday Bowl. Um you know, I just, just kind of assumed he'd be back. We Didn't yeah. really think it was that serious. You know, with the way that USC worded their tweet or whatever when they announced that he was, you know, it was okay. Yeah. But Graham Harrell said, "Yeah, we're going to have to monitor it. We're going to be you know, kind of sounded like they were going to be a little bit cautious with it. So yeah. we'll see. I think it, they always monitor quarterbacks' throws. You know, it's the same thing with a pitcher. You, know, you just don't want them to, you know, over over overuse their arm. You know, and just have a dead arm or something uh, going into." A scrimmage when you want to really see them, so they always monitor them, but I think it sounds like it's going to be a little bit closer, and there's a little concern there.
0: Mm-hmm. XX on YouTube says, you look at some of the other blue blood programs like OSU, Nebraska, and Notre Dame that is heavy on tradition yet have alternate unis. Should USC follow that trend and have alternate uniforms?
2: I'm, I'm okay. not a big alternate uniform guy, but... Really?
1: Uh, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah. it's. I mean, that, the fans, there would be a lot of outrage. There'd be some fans that like it, but there's enough fans that would make they would upset that it's hard to kinda of change and go there, I would think.
1: And if USC had never changed their uniform, I would agree. However, they've changed it like eight times. But they're Dude. like
2: always subtle kind of things. And, yeah, I mean sometimes they're big like with the stripes go to the but they go back. I, yeah, it's just not like coming out with like green jerseys like Notre Dame would do, like it's just it just doesn't seem like something USC would uh would entertain. They made like the helmets like some weird color one, like what they the, the, uh, the shiny. Chrome? The Chrome, yeah. yeah, those didn't. Those I think they looked okay in the road uniforms, yeah. but not the. It didn't match the Cardinals. Yeah, so. the home uniforms didn't look good at. I, and, I don't know. I think I might trust this administration to do a, something like that more than I would trust the other ones that just would might do something willy nilly. Like I think these guys would put a little bit more thought into it.
1: Yeah, the previous yeah. one was just Sark was like, "We got to get alternate." Yeah, I was basically
2: just they put something out there <laughs> that didn't really look good. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, We've reached the top of the hour, so I'm going to go more into rapid fire. But that's more for you, answerers. Uh, Coley says, "Is Saint Brown the Trojans' number one go-to receiver this season?" I think it's still Tyler Vaughn's.
2: Really? I don't know. I mean, Saint Brown has Vaughn's can be more consistent at times, but Brown will have like the big games too. Um, I'm curious to see what it is. If he's going to play more outside, does he become the number one guy? He's got. I mean, certainly he's got the potential. Um, but it might be like a senior like Vaughn's just like Pittman did last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Randy says I think Nelon would be a better fit at guard than Diddish, but couldn't he help with line calls from the guard position?
1: That's an interesting thing. Like I said, that I, I've said this on one of these shows, I don't know which one, <laughs> but that they really like Neilon yeah. making the calls, and that's kind of been the it sounded like that's the difference maker in them deciding that because I've said the same thing that I, the body types Justin Deidish has more of a center body type uh, than Bre- – or Brett Nelon has more of a guard body type than Justin Deidish does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would think ideally, and because you're working – you usually work a V for an offensive line as far as height and Justin Deidish is the shorter guy, that you would want him as the center. Um you know, both of them have done perfectly fine with the snaps and everything, so that's not an issue. And Justin Deeds did step in there, so maybe they changed their mind a little bit based off of what they saw from Didic in those last couple of games when Nealon was hurt. I don't, we don't know for sure, but it it, it has sounded like Justin Didic will be the guard. And I think uh, did someone mention that as well during the pressure, that. That he might be a guard there? I don't, uh, know. I don't he, remember. It wasn't mentioned in the
2: press
0: okay. room, but it was mentioned in the war room. Yeah, so. we had some war
2: room stuff there. Yeah. Okay. Make so. sure you take it out. The like, site. You
0: know. Yeah, and people have questions about Chris Claiborne. War room. War room, war room, war room. Yeah. Uh, Ruben on YouTube says, uh, can you give us comparison between Slovis and Daniels as far as leadership, mobility, grasp of the offense, etc.?
2: I mean, they're both pretty quiet guys. Um I think JT Daniels was a little bit more mobile than we were giving him credit for. in
1: the night. and I do not agree with your assessment <laughs> yeah. of, you know, of Keaton Slovis. Yeah,
2: he's quiet to people to outsiders.
1: He's a football loving guy. He's you know, he th- gets super excited about football. Yeah,
0: there's there's like a maybe in like off the field setting, sure. But I think on the field, he's a little bit more fired. I think
2: that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we talk to him, it's not like, it, it, you know, there's certain quarterbacks that you would talk to and there's just a lot of energy there. And he's just, he's very kind of humble. Now, maybe this sophomore year, he's going to be a little bit more. Who? Which recent quarterback has
1: had a lot of energy?
2: Sam Darnold, man, he was just jumping on table. No, he wasn't. Was I'm just so, kidding. I was I like right. No, they have like and I think some of that is Matt Barkley? Is that probably the last guy who he pro- I would probably. think probably Barkley was because
1: uh, yeah, Cody Kessler was pretty flat line. Yeah. You know, Sam was quiet as could be. Yeah. JT you can barely hear when he's talking. <laughs> oh my goodness,
2: it's so it hard in Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty tough. That's yeah, good.
1: so I mean, the, the biggest difference there is that Keaton during games we've seen him going up and slapping guys on the shoulder pads and doing things like that. We've heard from the offensive lineman that he was you know trying I mean, to fire people up during the Stanford game. You know, his first start. Uh, n- haven't necessarily heard that from people about JT Daniels. Haven't they haven't said anything negative about his leadership style uh, either? He has to be more vocal. And when you talk to him, you, both of the guys, you know, you can tell they have football minds. They like to, you know, they're guys that like to the X's and O's. They like to break down things. Tinker a little, yeah. Yeah, you know, they, you know, probably doodling plays and stuff. Yes. Doodling um, plays. Whereas some people are just athletes who are really good at stuff, but they yeah. don't have the same interest in it. Like, there's a lot of people that are professional athletes that don't really care that much about the game. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys know that as viewers or not, but. There's a lot of people that they're just really good at something, so yeah. they do it rather than really loving it all the time. They might
2: not be able to explain to you what they're. They couldn't coach it or whatever. They mm-hmm. just can yeah. do it naturally. Where, I, like, if J.T. Daniels stopped playing football, he could probably coach football tomorrow. Yeah. You know.
1: And, and I think that the mobility portion of it, uh, both of them, neither one of them is mobile. Both of them, though, showed some really good promise with pocket mobility. Yeah. And Keaton Slovis now. he – Graham Harrell got onto him don't try to do too much a little bit and he got himself hit more than he needed to by trying to do do too much and keep plays alive a little longer than probably he should so he's got to learn when to throw it away a little bit more but JT Daniels, that was the thing that impressed me probably the most about him last fall was his the advancement of his pocket mobility and moving around and buying a little bit extra time. You don't have to be able to run, but you got to be able to move in the pocket, Tom Brady style. I mean, Tom Brady is the ultimate guy to look at because he can't run with the flip, but he moves around the pocket and doesn't take those big hits, which is why his career has been so long. Yeah.
0: Let's go to a question from Jasper Smith, who says, uh, has the sentiment of season ticket holders gotten any better with the changes? There were a lot of empty seats last season.
2: That's, I mean, it's a good question. We're not sure yet. I mean, they're trying. Uh, The new administration is definitely trying to, do. there have been outreach things where they have booster events. And I know there's been individual people that have changed their minds and said, hey, I'm going to go back in. But we still see a lot of people on the boards saying, you know, not another penny. You know, there's still some of that people... How many of those people are there? How many people have switched and gone from, I'm not doing season tickets to coming back? It's gonna, it's just really hard to say. And the the issue is USC starts with Alabama and then you got what New Mexico is the first home game. Like Mm -hmm. that first home game, unless USC goes out and beats Alabama or maybe keeps it really close. it's, It's just gonna be hard to picture like being a whole lot of people there. So it's really important to have a good showing against Alabama, and I think you can get some momentum, uh, you know, for the season ticket holders and stuff. But, you know, short of that, there's just so many people that are like, I don't buy it. And even if the team's like a lot better, but Alabama's just really freaking good and just beats your butt, you know, uh, it's going to be hard for people. So then it's going to be like, well, now you got to build momentum up during the season. And it's not the early, you know, loaded schedule like it was last year. USA had an opportunity to win those people back after going five and seven. But they came out of the gate and went three and three. So this one, what if you come out of the gate five and one, but the loss is like a bad loss to Alabama? It's just not the same thing. So um, I, yeah, I, it's hard to say at this point. We'll see. But USC has an opportunity if they can go out and beat Alabama. I think they can get a lot of people in the Coliseum. But if they don't, then you're in danger of having like pretty poor attendance again.
0: Mm-hmm. A Greg Miller on YouTube says, what month is uh, what month is when USC decides the decision on Reggie Bush?
2: I think it's June. I believe. Interesting. Yeah. I uh, don't know. Yeah. Th- I believe it's June. I don't know. It seems like they're going to try to do something. Um, I mean, this is an administration that tries to pick the low-hanging fruit because there's there's a lot of it left. You know, so many bad decisions by the last couple athletic directors. Um, this is one, if you can reverse it. There's some people that don't like Reggie Bush's USC fans, but most people do. Players do. Could help recruiting. Like, I mean, who knows? You get the Heisman back. Uh, whatever. I mean, there, there's, some, there's some opportunities there. So I think they'll try to do something, whatever they can, uh, you know, wrestle and, and get done.
0: Mm-hmm. We have a question on YouTube from Randy who says, I see Gerard Martinez put in a couple new crystal balls. How long do you think before we see some commits?
1: I actually don't think it's going to be that long. I, I think that there's a couple guys that, that possibly could pop before too long. Um, Just kind of feeling the vibe of what I've read from some of the recruits. Uh, We had a similar question. Tito asked, How was the vibe from recruits this weekend? I haven't talked to anyone um, today, you know, since the game was yesterday. I haven't talked to anyone myself, so don't really know exactly, but it just sensing, looking at the players and seeing the recruits and stuff and seeing they were really enjoying it. They got a halftime, you know, concert performed. You know, they got to go down with the football team and basically be front row, I guess you would say, you know, on the court with, with reason. So uh, I think that the vibe was, was good for them. I think that there were a lot of guys that seemed to be having a good time at least. Yeah.
2: Chris Trevino, I think put in his story that there was a, he thought a few commits would pop uh, during the spring and it's a much better recruiting staff. So they're going to do a better job recruiting. So I I would expect better uh, news on the recruiting front just because of the staff
1: alone.
0: We have a question from Daryl on Facebook who says, how deep is our safety position?
1: Thin. Mm-hmm. Not very deep. Three deep. guys right now, technically at the spot uh, when you have your two starters, Isaiah Paul and Talano Hufunga, and then Britton Allen's really the only other guy that's technically a safety. Guys like Jaden Williams could play it, Chase yeah. Williams could play it. Uh, you could, you know, depending on what they do with the nickel. You could see a guy like Greg Johnson potentially go back there. You know, it just depends on what they want to do there. You know, Dorian Hewitt has been moved to cornerback, but he could go back there. So yeah. there are options. It's not like it's a, a dire situation there. There are some options, but listed right now, there's only three guys.
2: Yeah. CJ Pollard transferred out. So that would yeah. be Yeah. The missing one.
0: Ryan, this is something that Chaka and I debated. Sure. Those two starters, Isaiah out and uh, Tano Hufunga, have been injury prone, especially Tano Hufunga, in spring. How much do you, if at all, uh, limit those guys or hold them back from what they can do or do you just put them out there full force depth chart re- without I, abandon? I just don't
2: think you can practice scared like that and That's worry about I just there. don't feel you can and that uh, because, the, especially the last few years, what USC has practiced scared, they've practiced like they're just coming off the sanctions, and even though it's been years. So, I think you got a new, you know, I don't, Craig Niver, just talking to him, doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that's like keeps people in reserve. Like, he wants to go out there and see what they're doing. He has a new position coach. He's not, it's not very deep. Maybe, like Shotgun said, they bring someone over. I, I my guess would be he's not going to be someone that's like, I know what those guys can do. Let's just let other guys walk on to play uh, this spring. I, I just don't see that happening.
1: And I think you also, as a new staff, they need to be able to see. You know the guys in action, so they know. Okay, can I call this blitz, or can I, you know, can I call this play where they're, you know, single high and be able to see what their skill set is in person rather than just watching the tape uh, of the previous years to uh, better understand and better be able to call plays in the future.
2: Yeah, we got uh, Mario yeah. again. What happened to Bernard Shermer? S.E. once nasty offensive lineman thought he was a mean dude. Can he play?
0: He's someone who's kind of just been lost in that yeah. that shuffle.
1: Yeah, he's still in the roster. He's still with the program, um, but he's a guy that has not played at all. He played a couple of snaps and special teams and stuff, but there were times when he was away from the program last year. So he's it, it's almost like he's a Solomon Tulipu, where you got to see him out there practicing and yeah. actually doing something before you can consider him for for you know to be a guy that you can count on at all.
0: X says, do you guys believe the USC's defense will be better on the edge due to new coaches?
2: I kind of think so. I mean, there, there was an issue last year. I think just, it's sort of like, you know, when you just get something, it's something new. And I think, you know, having Todd Orlando come in, whenever he's, wherever he's gone, when it's something new coming in, it just seems to do well. USC, it was pretty stale on defense. I think they needed to get rejuvenated. I think the linebackers are going to play a lot better. It seemed like a lost position last year. I think you're going to get some better edge play. We'll see what, you know, guys like Drake Jackson can do. But, yeah, I, I expect it to be better.
0: Uh, XX on YouTube says, Should Harold run the ball more despite being a believer in the air raid? USC has good backs that need to be used. I sure, can you do the math on the split before injuries and whatnot?
1: Yeah, they were running for over 150 yards. I think it was 156, 158. And they were running for 5.5 yards per carry before they got all the injuries to, to their starters. And then that number went down. It was like 4.6 and 100 yards per game. So do they need to run more? There are times when they should probably. But as long as they run effectively, you don't have to run 30 times a game. Um, so you can just kind of pick and choose based on what the defense has given you, which is how you should call a game. Yeah. Now, they were forced into doing certain things when they had all the injuries, and that kind of skewed the numbers as far as attempts and stuff because how many carries are you really going to give Amon Ross St. Brown in a game? Yeah. You know it, he, he's a, he was a good running back, actually, but his body type is not ideal to be taking – 15 hits a game that way uh, that you you know have a running back. So uh, I think that they did what they could. Graham Harrell wants to run the ball. As you he saw does, the yeah. numbers before the injuries, you know, he, he tries to run the ball. He wants to be closer to balance, much closer to balance than Mike Leach. It's not the same Mike Leach air raid. Each air raid offense is kind of, it should be called Graham Harrell's version of the yeah. air raid offense or, you know, whoever else, because it, they each take their own kind of path with it. It's not just all of them are like, oh, well, we got to throw the ball 80 times a game.
2: One of the things too, when we talk about getting better from year one to year two, year one, it was a whole new offense. You have your quarterback go down in the very first game. You've had all your running backs hurt at times during the season. There was a lot of weird stuff that kind of happened. And I felt they, you know, there were some bumps and bruises, but I felt they navigated pretty well. I think this year they'd be better suited to deal with you know, losing your starting quarterback or losing all your running backs. It just seems like now that everyone knows what they're doing, that last year it seemed like they were just kind of driving along, avoiding obstacles all season uh, and mm-hmm. still putting up some big numbers. So uh, I, I expect them to be better uh, this season. I think they will run the ball more.
0: Racer X says, who has the better arm between JT and
2: Slovis?
1: What do you think? I, I, was, I, was, I saw that question. I don't know. Like... <sighs> Neither one of them stands out to me as being a plus plus arm. So
2: I might give like Slovis like the strength, like a little edge, and maybe JT the accuracy a little. But I mean, you could argue either way for that. So, but just, that'd be my guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say.
1: I would put either of them with a yeah, 99 mile. It's not like basketball.
2: one is like, oh my god, this guy's so much better. Yeah, yeah I
0: need yeah. to see both of them in practice together again and compare. Uh, mark says, Keely, did you take down instant analysis from the coaches' pressers? I did not. It's really weird. YouTube's being weird. It's also a 30-minute instant, so I don't know if that freaked it out. But if you go to the instant analysis playlist, it's in there and also in the content item on the site. It is also there, so that's how you can find it. Uh says, Reggie's never apologized or shown any remorse, has he? Question mark.
2: I don't think he's, like, apologized. I think he's, he's showed – I mean, he's talked about things openly and things that, you know, but – uh, yeah, if you want like Reggie Bush to come up and and like apologize for whatever, I don't know. I don't think he's done that specifically, but there's some people USC fans are like that. I think most of them are just like it's Reggie. We just want him back.
0: Yeah, uh, Mark has another question. He says, "Could you see Trevor Trout move to the O line like Liam Jimmons did? He has a big body, but maybe too limit- limited athletically for a D lineman position."
1: I haven't heard anyone talk about that. I don't. I don't know that he played offensive line in high school. I don't think he did. So usually. If you're going to make that switch, usually guys have a background of, of having done it before. Uh, I don't know that he has. So I, I, I think it's a make-or-break year for Trevor Trout this year, actually. He got passed over by Dejon Bitton last year. He's got new staff in. He needs to show something this year that, that he can be ready to take over one of those spots when, when those uh, those old guys leave.
0: Mark also asked, uh, Shotgun, what are USC basketball's chances of landing five-star Zaire Williams?
1: Uh, I haven't seen Zaire Williams you know, attend any games, but the last time I talked to him, now last time I talked to him was I believe a month ago, uh, before their you know postseason run with Sierra Canyon, where LeBron and Drake were at the game <laughs> yesterday. Casual. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last time I talked to him, USC is still in the mix, still considering him. He likes the fact that the hometown school, uh, and you know what they've done with the team. I haven't talked to him since then. So, but and they weren't even playing that great when I did talk to him. So maybe the fact that they're playing a little bit better right now. That usually helps with decisions. People don't like to look, look at teams and be like, oh, they're playing terrible. <laughs> I'll commit there. Yeah, they're <laughs> playing better now. So Especially yeah. for a one-and-done type of player.
0: Um, Tommy on Facebook says, my concern is about our offensive line. Do you feel that it is or will be our weak link this season? If so, will our success lie upon that position group?
2: I mean, if they, I think Definitely. they have a pitch up to be pretty good, but, you know, we just don't know. I mean, you're, when you're trying to replace the left tackle, both tackles um, – I think they're going to feel pretty comfortable with like the top five or six guys. It's just how are they going to, how, how is Elijah Vera Tucker going to play left tackle if that's where he ends up? Uh, if Jeff, Justin Dietrich plays left guard, whatever it is, I think the they like those players, but make sure that they can play those positions. But that that's what you got to watch. I think you feel good about everything else on the offense. You're just not sure about the O-line.
1: I got big questions still. Big questions? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no true left tackle and that is scary. Um, with the fact that both of your quarterbacks have been injured in the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: I we'll mean, see.
0: you could argue they were injured with a true left tackle.
1: So, that well, is, well, that well, that is fair. I mean, but if, it, if you're moving your best interior guy out to the outside, I think that makes you weak. And the plays where the quarterbacks get hurt a lot of times are ones where there's blitzes up the middle, you don't pick it up, type of thing. Uh, at least that's what happened for a couple of those injuries when players were hurt last year. Yeah,
2: it's definitely one of the things we're going to watch a lot uh, in the spring football because, like, you love the receivers. I mean, there's, like, a super deep group of tight ends if they want to use that position more. Three seniors. You got all your running backs back. You got Slovis, who, you know, 72% completion, blah, 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 you know. Is the offensive line going to protect them? Are they going to be able to open holds for the for the running back? So that's that's what we're we'll watching more. I think they have some potential there, but we just don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the team goes as far as the offensive line this year. I think the defense will be better with Todd Orlando. Um, it doesn't have to be great, but you can jump into the top forty defensively, kind of what the offense did last year. Jump, you know, making a big jump in the you know the significant stats that you really look at. Um, then. Then I think if the offensive line holds up, then the team can be really good. Yeah. They got a lot of talent still on the roster. You know, they just got to be able to to play a little bit better defense and, and block up front. Those are, I mean, it's it's almost like that's what you say about any football team. <laughs> hey, can they block up front? And can you block on the for running? And can you can you stop the other team for running?
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Real quick, Mario yeah. on uh, Periscope, is there a place in this defense for Connor Murphy to make an impact?
0: That's a question I had as well.
2: The big redhead. Let's see what we got.
1: And for him it's great because there's a new staff, so new chance to impress somebody and, and get out there. I, I think that's a, a question that I have that I'll be focusing on is what exactly are they trying to do up front? Are mm-hmm. they trying to get all three of those older defensive tackles on the field? Marlon Tupelotu, J Tefele, and Brandon Peely together?
2: If so, that's probably not good for Connor Murphy.
1: Yeah. And you know, are they trying to use true defensive ends? You know, hand in the ground. Uh, are they trying to use outside linebackers in more of that style of the predator, uh, with you know, with outside rushers? Then, it just it, what are they trying to do with that edge position? I think is is a big question mark. I still have.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
2: We uh, should, uh, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, we get yeah, close. We, have,
0: we have a couple more. Uh, XX on YouTube says, Is Marquis Step a quiet Heisman candidate? And I'm going to throw this one to Mr. Shotgun Spratling, who predicted uh, a couple <laughs> years ago that uh, uh, Stephen Carr would win a Heisman his junior year. I didn't say he would
1: win a Heisman, I said he would be a Heisman finalist.
0: Nope, uh, nah, yes, no. we'll, we'll play the taste, but that's fine. Continue. I said he
1: would be a Heisman finalist by his junior year. That was he pre was back injury, that. yeah, pre back injury. I said it before his freshman year. And also, I thought that they would throw the ball to him more like they we did we, early in his season. We don't want to hear but your anyway.
0: excuses. We want to hear your next prediction.
1: Anyway, uh, no, I do not think no. Marky Stepp.
2: Even if he has a huge year, when you're talking about an air raid type of offense, like Keaton Slovis is going to have yeah. huge numbers. Like, it, I don't see Marky Stepp, who's going to be sharing carries with a couple other guys, having numbers that are going to be so amazing that they would eclipse even a guy on his own team. So, Exactly. No.
0: in and out or Herdberger, Coley asks in and out
2: i've never had herd burger oh uh i mean they're very different like it's more of a restaurant kind of burger but the herd burgers are really good and i love the in and out burgers too so we're gonna we'll probably do an event there we got to oh we got to like plan Ooh, that look at that. <laughs> yeah colin said we could do an event there so nice. like, right then we have to bring the coffee once we got the coffee maker he said we could do an event <laughs> really
0: there. well shouts to who sent us that again
2: uh was it peter bay the area Her- trojan no. right but maybe it was, yeah.
0: I don't know. Sorry. We appreciate the coffee maker, though. No,
2: Scott? Maybe it was Scott. I don't remember. Let's Scott. jump
0: into our live callers. Uh, first up is Jesse. Hello, you're live on television.
1: How you doing? My name is uh, Jesse. I'm up here in uh, Seattle, Washington. You guys kind of already answered my question. It was a reference to Clay Helton. But the only thing I will say is a couple things I want to say is that being said, that you guys uh, think you just being kept away from it because uh, people are mad at them. That just further shows the fact that he's just a afterthought. That these guys, if they win, it would be because of the assistants. So what's the point? My second thing is, for all these boneheads, that keep calling you guys about the uniform. Do you guys even know who Matt Leinard, Carson Palmer, Marcus Allen, all these guys knew, were, what number they were, what name to know who they were? That included a shotgun? No, we don't need them. What about number five? We know who number five is, right? Can you say his name? And one more thing? basketball. I know Brian hates it, but I love you guys. Showed <laughs> show is great. Take care, and test the new thing. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Jesse, and thanks for waiting for so long. Thanks, Jesse. Brian, uh, do you want to clear the air about your basketball? Opinion? No,
2: I've, I've I, you know... you
0: made it the brand.
2: Yeah, it's fun to, like, say, you it's know, when Shotgun would come into the season with all, you know, they would win the offseason basketball. There would always be all these amazing things. Oh, they got this recruiting classes, and then they would, like, be under 500 and miss a tournament? Like, yeah, we're not talking about that. Like, that doesn't. The, any-
1: the seniors are currently the winningest players in USC history. They set the school record on what is Saturday. It?
2: Did they go Most under wins. 500 in the last?
1: Country? Yesterday, last year. Okay. Well, was, one so, year. Okay. Well, one out last, of the last, last like year, seven.
2: Last year they were under 500, fight, and fight, you were hyping fight, them up. Fight, fight. Yeah. So
1: I didn't hype them up last year.
2: Oh my god! You want to talk about basketball? They'd be amazing and all that stuff. And I then they were this under this year they would be. Yeah, they're 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 short of amazing, but they're doing a lot better. So that's good. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it when they're good. I'm not going to talk about it when they're going to be under 500. And football is always going to trump basketball. Like, we used to put up basketball stories on the front page, and we'd get complaints. People are like, I want to talk about football. So <laughs> we're we're at uscfootball.com. We're going to focus on football. But we're not going to ignore basketball. We want to, you know, and Shotgun likes covering it. So as long as they're good, I don't mind when he's covering it. If they're bad, we're not talking about it. So that's just the way I roll.
0: I was standing on a basketball court with a basketball player with my intro as for USCfootball.com. And I was like, this is just odd. This is yeah. weird. But, you know, it's we real. try.
2: That's the world we live in.
0: It is, indeed. Uh, Mark on YouTube wanted to know what we actually played in high school since we got our heights and weights out there. What sports did we play?
2: Oh, I grew up playing baseball and then st- I started, I played mostly volleyball in uh in high school, I played some basketball and I, baseball was kind of my sport since I was a little kid, mm. but I didn't really continue after like ninth grade or whatever. I, but I, volleyball is one I played the most. Of. I just kind of fell in love with it. When I moved out here, I just no, I played all the time. The best. i played
1: baseball, basketball, football. Yeah,
0: I played volleyball since fourth grade and I played tackle football for a year. So da. There we
1: got to go. get that picture out.
0: No, we're teaming that picture away. Um, Shotgun, did I miss any questions, or shall we wrap this puppy up? We uh, did, there were a
1: couple.
2: One quick one G. Rich on uh, Periscope. Is Drake London getting playing time on the court?
1: He has not had any playing time. He's actually been affected by the flu bug a couple of times. Okay, he's actually missed just like missed being at games. Uh, they had the bad flu bug that went through the team um, on the mountain road trip. Then when they went to Colorado and Utah, and He was not around the team at that point. He had had been – and early in the season, he didn't. So, unfortunately for him, because of that, he hasn't even gotten a chance to really get into any games except for, like, one or two blowouts. So, he's not getting much playing time there. He's a guy that if he focused fully on basketball – I think I said this before he got on campus. I think he's a pro in whichever sport he would focus on Mm -hmm. Um, because he's – As a basketball player, he's super long. He's a really good defender. He's kind of – he reminds me – I won't say he's – like, but he reminds me of De'Anthony Melton, where he does a lot of different things on the court, and he's really long, so it makes him a really good defender. And on the basketball, I mean, on the football field, you know, he uses that athleticism, that ability to go up and get the rebound, He'll go up and get the the ball over the middle, and he's tough. You know, he brings the football toughness to the basketball court. You know, he's that's why he's a you know a tough defender on the basketball court. You know, because he can take those hits over the middle, like he had to uh, do throughout the the season as that inside receiver. So,
0: um, we have a couple more questions, Bossman.
2: Are we allowing them? Yeah, do a couple quick ones. Let's.
0: Sean on Facebook says, The air raid seems prone to interception. Will and can USC run and open up the passing game against Alabama? Uh, will Sark's unfamiliarity with the new SC staff help USC versus Kiffin? Uh, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Versus Kiffin? I mean, the air raid Kiffin is, susceptible-, higher, sorry. is oh. susceptible to the uh, to the interception, but the triple option is susceptible to the fumble. Fumble, yeah. I mean, that that's just going to happen it's part of football if you throw the ball a lot then they can catch it if you uh, you run it all the time then they can knock it out and follow unless
2: you're it. Joe Burrow had 60 touchdowns and six picks which is absolutely insane uh but last year Slovis had 30 touchdowns and nine picks i think you know he can get more touchdowns than that and he can throw less interceptions than that yeah. so you can't have these three interception games those those were bad yeah, yeah those
1: were killers and those were defenses with against that they did not have experience really against so, I think the fact that those quarterbacks now have experience definitely helps them going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Shotgun, you said I missed questions?
1: Well, you didn't answer the part uh, from Mark that asked about how was the Women of Troy documenter- uh, docu- documentary. documentary There's a reason
0: guys... why I didn't answer that part. Is it a must
1: watch this week? I'm curious myself. I Did you know, hear how what
0: happened, Shotgun?
1: It? I did not. <laughs> We didn't get to watch it. Yeah, we didn't didn't
0: get into the premiere because uh, the boss man was late. I was
2: a little late and uh, they they wouldn't let us into the theater. So, they were at
0: capacity. And so we so got to go
2: to the the post. We got to talk with all the players and everybody and Mike Bone and everyone that was there. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't get to watch the – so we did the after party. We just
1: didn't do the actual showing. Was Which, very, very Ryan of right? you. Right.
0: I know. After party is
1: <laughs> important. Avoid actual basketball discussion <laughs> or True. filming.
0: The problem though is that at the after party, everyone was like oh, – that was amazing. What do you think? And each time we had to be like, well,
2: trying <laughs> this. And, it, and it's funny. It's not just something we could go back and watch. So they're talking about the, the women of Troy. It's a HBO documentary on HBO coming out March 10th uh, about the women winning the national championship in 83 and 84. Cheryl Miller was on that team, a um, uh, you know, lot, lot of stars. Uh, but they were saying it was so fun to be in the room with the women from that team watching it. So, that was, so this was a unique experience we didn't get to uh Partake in, unfortunately. But. Yeah, I
1: definitely would have mm-hmm. went to that, but uh, for, uh, baseball obligations. So, uh, but it seemed really fascinating. And talking with a couple people, they said that you know there's a storyline about you know the differences in Sher- Cheryl Miller and Cynthia Cooper because Cynthia Cooper was kind of an end of the bench player and rose to prominence starting you know working her way at USC and became you know the first WNBA um, MVP, first two seasons of the WNBA. Whereas Cheryl Miller. You know she's probably the the greatest women's basketball player ever, still. And unfortunately for her, she had knee injuries, or else she. I mean, she was so good she could play with guys. Like she yeah. probably could have played professionally against men just because of how good she was. But knee injuries derailed her career, and she never got to be the star that Cynthia Cooper later became. Right, so it's kind yeah. of the, their past went different directions. But they were both on that team, as well as the McGee twins, who are I think are. At least Pam is a Hall of Famer. I think that both of them are. So, so a lot of talent, like you said, on that team. So it should be really good. Um, from what I've heard, like you guys said, that everyone thought it was good. Everyone thought it was really yeah. good. Appar- went-
0: Sorry. Apparently it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, too, to watch it with the team because mm-hmm. they were very chatty and like would be like – making comments <laughs> and all that and it, uh, we missed it. Thanks, I forget Ryan.
2: one of the other women, she became the first uh, like African-American pilot for oh, Unite, yeah, yeah. you know. I've uh, seen her on the, uh, the Pac-12. And we stuff. met her, talked to her for I forget her name. I'm sorry about
1: that. Yeah,
0: yeah she was really cool though.
2: Yeah, Pac-12
1: was. has done commercial uh, like one of the Pac-12 commercials uh, includes that. Um, but I, I I wish I would have been able to see that because Cynthia Cooper is hilarious. Uh, Having covered her when she was the women's coach at USC, I got to know her a little bit, and she is hilarious. And just assuming and having seen, you know, Pam McGee is JaVale McGee's uh, mother. So, if you've seen, she's come to USC games. He's come with her a couple times. Like, she is a, you know, she seems like she's hilarious as well. So, that whole group, it seems like they, you know, they were really good on the court, but also had a lot of fun. So, it, I would say the documentary is probably going to be really good, yeah. to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh
1: There were a couple oh. real quick ones that I can <laughs> answer. Uh, is the air rate still the upcoming offensive strategy? Yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know why that would've changed.
2: No, they just they recruited four fullbacks so they're gonna go he's like no. Like what what yes, I don't
1: any it's chance the only thing that
2: worked last year,
0: like hey, that, we that, gotta, gotta be nice. It. Some people have some questions.
1: Any chance Clayton Bradley returns to the transfer portal, haven't heard much on his end, I would no, I don't think that'll happen yeah. at all. Uh and Mark had a comment more than a question, but he said, watch Kyle start event on the final shot of Jonah Matthews. So I'm going to go back and watch that. But he knew it was going in before anyone. and was already celebrating when Jonah released the ball. Really nice moment for Kyle with all he's been through recently. Did get to speak to Kyle last week. I'll have a story this week on him. Mm-hmm. Um, that obviously, it's been a really tough time. His father passed away, but he wanted to be back with the team because – of, you know, it's his second family. And he said they've been there for him, you know, throughout the season and throughout everything. So, And someone like Anyeka Kongwu, who's actually went through, you know, his brother died when he was in high school. Um, So someone that you can lean on and, you know, how'd you get through this type of thing. So really good for him to be back with the team, I think, and helping out. And he didn't play on Saturday, but, you know, he could potentially play this week now that he's getting back in, you know, game shape and stuff, and that'll give him an extra point guard. So on the court should help him as well, but good for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. Any final thoughts before we do?
2: No, thanks. Uh, Well, next week, we'll be able to tell you what we saw from three spring football practices. So that'll be awesome.
0: We shall see. Uh, So stay tuned. We'll be back next Sunday. Uh, That's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week.
2: See ya. Bye.